My name is Susie Can, and I hope you enjoy exploring with me the thoughts that come with this thread. If you have any interest in supporting what I'm doing or getting in touch, please do so through the website kylak.ie, where you will also find other resources and connections that I create around each podcast so that if some of the tweaks of interest come to you through them, you have a place to go to go a little further and deeper or to find other information or to find a way to support by maybe wanting to collaborate or offer something or even a donation. Thanks for listening. Recording this sixth episode of, in the Ancestors series at the beginning of August in Lunasa. And it's a time of year through the cycle that I've been following in this podcast that is so dramatically different from just two months ago since summer solstice when the sun was at its peak and all the planting had been completed is incredible to look at. This year we've had huge sun heat and ripening energy around us. And so you can really connect to the idea that Lunasa was the first fruits and it was the time which is happening around where I am with the grains being harvested because they've gone to that kind of golden color. And Lunasa is named after Lug, who was this sun god, many skilled leader who had all sorts of abilities as a carpenter, a smith, harpist, poet, magician, warrior. And so Lunasa and First Fruits were all around that idea of the immense ability of the sun to ripen food and provide for us. And I definitely sense that around us at the moment, that abundance of food, because we have had this great ripening period. That name Lunasa was also used by others around these islands. It it became, like many Celtic festivals, it became colonized and transformed into Lammas in the church where you had grain harvest and a loaf mass. So that first grain that was usually made in something and then offered as a thanks to the sun god, to the kinds of gods of the earth in the colonized and church version of that, that was made into the first loaf for mass on Lama Sunday. And the other Sunday element at this time of year is Tamakna Frog, which is Frocken Sunday, the wild bilberries that are on the hills at the moment. And one of the things that people still do that connects us way back to our ancestors is the climbing of mountains. It was called Reek Sunday in some places, and Croke Patrick as a particular pilgrimage was one of the ones that was associated with August because 
perhaps because there's a, a, a way that the sun sets that looks like it's rolling down the mountain. So there was this whole awareness of the energy of the sun and what the sun gave us. It's approximately falls between summer solstice and autumn equinox and is, is the beginning of autumn because it's the beginning of harvest. And I notice that people from around the world think of autumn as starting at different times. And I've always thought of autumn as being August and September. And when I was talking to somebody else they from America, they thought of autumn as September and October. And it wasn't until I was remembering and looking back at some of my reading that I've done about Lunasa and Celtic festivals that I realized, of course, for me, this is a continuation. It's a great time of year to connect to the mountains, to go up and pick bilberries. It's also when other reasons for going up the mountains in, in the famous Puck Fair in Kerry, they went up to the mountain to catch a goat who got crowned the king of Puck Fair and launches the beginning of that festival. But the story behind why Puck Fair originated, it, it, it they think it was associated with the fairs of Lunasa going back to prehistory. But it also has another modern origin story about that it was part of the time of purging of Irish people by colonizing, that there was one of the times that that was happening through the cycles of it happening was that the goat came down from the mountain and it was an alert to know that there were soldiers there and it allowed the people to escape and to secure their herds. And the reason I'm touching on that colonizing is because I think this is something I've been on my mind for all of this year, that word decolonization, something I've been talking with friends about in the permaculture world for maybe the last four or five years. But this year, because of other movements really looking at our colonized world and when that occurred, that has been something as a thread that I've been paying attention to. And I'm reading a lot about my book by my bedside at the moment is a quite recently published one about decolonization of Ireland, the unfinished revolution. And it's by two Northern Irish academics, and I'm only partway into the book, but they're making lots of comparisons of the colonization project of Europe that was happening across the globe and the kinds of things that were permissions essentially given by Europeans to each other, to themselves, to the church, to go and extract and be this massive machine of extracting wealth from indigenous lands the world over, including in Ireland. And yet what astonishes me is how much and how long and how pervasive those processes took and how that traditions went into other things that we can track, just like I was talking in the last batch about some of the craft traditions that came down from the resources that were in the landscape. 
but also these seasonal moments that still get celebrated. And one of the things that happened at Lunasa that I was just speaking with a friend about a book they're reading, which is all about the funeral and waking and the games that happened at Irish wakes and how long that lasted, how it still persists in some places and how it was also aggressively stamped out by priests who were saying they're fornicating in the fields and they're doing these crazy games and we must stamp this out. And that all harkens back to the festivals of Lunasa when competitions took place and these were part of a, a funeral. There's a connection to the idea of celebrating games at funerals because the story is of Lug and Lug's mother, Talti, Taltu, who was said to have died while she was taming the Midlands of Ireland into production. And there's a mound to her in Meath. In honour of her death, there were these competitions and games that took place at the time of Lunasa. And those competitions and games were, have been claimed to be precursors of the Olympic Games. But the idea of funeral games goes back in many cultures in Sumeria. There are records of funeral games, of all of these tests of skill competitions represented, but also culture and stories and meetings were taking place all around this. So it probably had variations depending on what niche you were in and what generation you were in. And there was a lot around Lunasa that was for youth, for young people, including Frock and Sunday or going up and picking bilberries was something that young people did. And girls would then make cakes and present them to boys that were of their favour. And they were made with blueberry cakes. And it was also a time when they did something called trial marriages. They're really interesting in our time when young people rarely rush into marriage and they have their own form of trial marriage. But that was bound up in the law, is written down in Brehen laws, that there could be a hand fasting of trial marriages that again happened during this festival of matchmaking and fairs and the gathering of the summer around all the food coming in and needing the collective energy of each other to help with harvest. And one of the ways that they did these trial marriages was for the couple to put their hand through a hole in a door and hold hands without seeing each other. And then that was a pact of a year and a day to trial a marriage together. Imagining our ancestors having all of this social life in this year, 2021, when I'm recording these podcasts where we are still coming into new ways of being through the pandemic and the ways in which people are able to socialize, all of those at the moment are still outside. And so there's been this interesting return to an outside summer celebration. And because the sun has been beating down on Ireland during a heat wave, the gatherings and the kinds of things that you see, there's something reminiscent of those 
sharing and feasting together and playing games together on beaches and climbing in mountains. And, and as we have been hearing about the young people who have been particularly wild in their celebrations, having had very little social gatherings, it really makes me think about that colonized notion because there's a huge amount of criticism about revelry and wildness in young people. And I was teaching a, a course recently on rewilding or biodiversity or creating natural food systems, permaculture kinds of food forests. And one of the parts of the conversation was with people about wishing to do rewilding, but struggling with a mindset of tidiness, of order, of organization, of rows. We were talking about that period in industrialization that created all the edges and straight lines and then straight garden beds and paths and all these kinds of things. And I made one comment about rewilding ourselves being part of the thing that happens as we interact with wild nature. I'm experiencing two parallel things at the moment on Caragdura Farm. And one is that the place has gone wild because it's been much more established. There's a native woodland planted and forest garden and gardens and so on. So lots of it doesn't need to be heavily managed. And yet the harvest and the first fruits that are coming in, because we don't also have many volunteers or, or people coming as we would normally, harvesting is actually quite a challenge and making sure that we have some food harvested for humans and at the same time we've always had some amount of birds in the garden as well especially for first fruits but we don't have a lot of humans and so I'm just imagining those harvest periods and because I'm thinking and imagining and wishing that I did have more of a, mar a kind of a harvest metal and that we were stepping out into the fields together to do the things that Irish people would have done on these islands going back since the first migrant groups came is that even before there was massive amounts of farming and taming the land like Lug's mother exhausted from, there was wild harvests that began on the mountains at this time of year, like the wild frocken. And that relationship between having to harvest and, and one of the things that the battles that they think that Lug enacted was of a, a battle over the monster of famine. The idea that harvest had begun was also this huge gratitude and celebration because even though we talked about Hungry Gap being in the spring when winter stores are being used up. But July was also considered hungry July because there might not be any grains and flour left. So, and maybe that that was there was becoming infested or rotting or just the very dregs of the flour bags. So that fresh grain that came in and was made into these Lammas cakes, that must have been incredible to go, wow, we've got enough food. Never, I've missed the opportunity to harvest some of the things that are coming in the garden. We've, blackbirds are particularly keen on the red currants and berries and even 
more of the cherries this year than previous years. But I'm also not having a big group of people depending on any of those things in reality, or so we believe. We think we've got food supply chains from around the world. We think we can access food through this winter. We're not thinking of, but imagining back to a time when our ancestors were utterly and completely dependent on harvest. It really speaks to how incredibly important this particular festival in the year was and why there could have been much more wildness and just that promise of life continuing. And it seems like also it makes sense for the young people and the getting together, thinking about new life to come in marriages and and bounding up with each other. And the idea that you could do that because there was harvest, because you could be together for a year and a day and see how you were doing. So on the one hand, it's this need for people to come together and work together and then to celebrate the fruits of their labor. On the other hand, I'm very struck by the juxtaposition in the modern times where it's actually hard to do things collectively and gather people, even if it wasn't for a pandemic that is difficult for people to get together and meet up. People are so busy in the new world economies, the capitalist workforce, the the ways in which people's lives run. It would be very hard now to definitely gather a large group of people for harvesting and celebrating in the way that was done in the past. So I guess I'm thinking that in as well as celebrating all the harvest that we have, all the strengths that we have as humans, all of the social gatherings and play and wildness that we have, that we think about that in the context of rewilding our landscapes and making sure there are enough fruits for ourselves, but also for all of our connections and our friends in nature and all of the biodiversity that surrounds us, or that we can regenerate in the land. And also just that enjoyment of that sun on ourselves and the ability to climb mountains and explore And the other aspect of this time of year for our ancestors, and it's not clear, like when you look for history, there's a lot of people who've attempted to guess and to study what exactly were the detail of the rituals. But one of the things that occurs and comes up is these cycles of the year enactment. So the monster of famine being defeated or the idea of the sun passing where it's passing at this time of year and the different deities that related to that. And then also this idea of dying back of the land as grains are harvested in the beginning of autumn of Lug's mother being the representative of the dying back after all the toil and work on the land. And these cycles that we find ourselves very disconnected to, just like we're disconnected in the rich northern hemisphere from the deep clarity of shadow of famine that still occurs across our globe. There is still 
food poverty and issues of food quality, but that idea of not knowing at all each summer, each harvest, whether it's going to be a good enough harvest, and then if it is a really good harvest, this incredible celebrations and, and wildness of surviving another year, of being alive to see another harvest, of knowing that there is resource base that will remain solid. And I think that we are really unsure of where that lies for us modern humans. There have been estimates on how many harvests are left for us because of the way that industrial farming is depleting soil, is affecting the whole living biome. So I I find it helpful to imagine those wild times and our wilder selves and also our connection to something very tangible, very real, that cycle of work up to harvest and what happens when first fruits come in and autumn begins. And that other aspect of Lug's prowess and abilities as the sun and this representation was of magic, that magical transformation of seed to grain, of plant that comes up and fruits and nourishes and gives such abundance. And so there was also this playfulness around magical abilities and manifesting and all of that formed part of honoring the work of producing food for the community and knowing that people would be nourished as they went into the next cycle and the next winter. And in these challenging times, I certainly find that abundance in the hedgerows that's coming in the landscape, honoring of all this incredible energy that's gone into the production of food is associated with the Lunasa Feast celebration. And it's just something that I think about when I think about the precariousness of our own harvests and industrial agriculture and the awareness that already for many years there has been unequal distribution of food on the planet and and that resulting in famines and hunger and not in abundance and not being in tune with the cycles and being able to come together and share in community and to share both the labor and the fruits and find new connections, new partnerships and new cycles of life, knowing that we will be nourished and we will be fed. That's something that I certainly take from thinking of the beginning of autumn, meaning the beginning of the end of summer, and hoping to take all this nourishment and store it for ourselves as our ancestors did and celebrated.